As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, our guest is a legend in the world of women's hoops. Her college team may have been the original women's dream team. And those women of Troy are featured in an HBO documentary that drops this week. She's ready to check in, but first, Darlene, let's run it! Buckets, Boards and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thanks, Darlene. Trying to do a short introduction for Pamela McGee is practically impossible, but I'm going to do my best. She's in the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. She is a two-time national champion at USC, where her number 30 is retired. We'll have more on that in a moment. She is an Olympic gold medalist. She was the second overall pick in the 1997 WNBA draft at the age of 34. She's a proud mom with a son in the NBA and a daughter in the WNBA, and she continues to empower others through ER Ministries, traveling the world to inspire and uplift oppressed people with her message of true freedom. With all that said, welcome to the show, Pamela. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. All right, so... We gave you that introduction, but part of the big buzz in terms of why we're seeing you and some of your former teammates in the media as of late is your college team. The USC Women of Troy from the 1983 and 84 years are featured in the brand new HBO documentary set to drop this week, Women of Troy. Talk talk to me a little bit about that team. Why was that team so significant, Pamela? Well, you know, as I said before, you know, I'm just blessed to to have this opportunity that, you know, people look back and saw who really laid the bridge for the WNBA. And, you know, I just take pride in the fact that, you know, you know, when you look at you when you look at uh Cheryl Miller, Cynthia Cooper and the McGee twins, you got four jerseys hanging in the arena and yet we we all came together for one purpose and that was to be the best, to set a standard and at USC, that that standard was was set, and you know we honor that somebody looked back and said, "Look, let's see who who laid the groundwork, who did all the work to make sure that the W is finally getting true recognition." So, as I was preparing for this and kind of reading the different articles being written about the documentary, not movie, documentary, um, one of the stories is that you and your sister convinced Cheryl to switch up from com- her commitment to UCLA to USC at a sleepover? Is that true? Yeah, that's 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 the truth, you know. Um we she had already verbal to UCLA and then um we spent the night the day before the the uh letter of intent signing. And basically, you know, you'll see in the documentary we said, "Look, Cheryl, you're going to be all American, you're going to be you know, player of the year, you'll be one of the best players to ever play in history. But the reality is 
you'll never win a championship because you got to go through us, and we're number two in the nation. <laughs> I love. You know, we always had a little swag back then. A hundred percent, a little bit. That sounds like a lot of bit of swag to me. Um. Okay, so Cheryl switches her commitment. She joins you and your sister Paula at USC. Cynthia Cooper was also on that team. Just from the way that you convinced Cheryl that she needed to be at USC, I can tell, I can only imagine, actually, how competitive practices must have been with that squad. Yeah, and, and the documentary touches on that. But, but we all believe that, you know, all of us had our own little swag, our own little ego, for lack of a better word. But a lot of people don't understand, you know, that ego was wrapped up in humility. And I think that for me, even with some having other female friends, I realized that what we had was special because we really didn't care about who got to shine or who got more pub or whatever. All we said, we come together and we're going to let the world know that we're the number one team in the nation. And and that's all we set out to do. And, and the, the documentary covers. I don't want to give all of it out, but the fact that we all came together with a with a permanent with a one time goal is to be the best. And and we weren't ashamed of being the best. I think some people were a little shocked or they weren't ready for women to come on the court and demand that yes, we the best and we gonna come out and play from end to end, baseline to baseline. So I love that confidence, and I think we're seeing it now. Um, in women's sports, in the W, on the college scene when it comes to women. But it almost seems like, Pamela, you guys were ahead of your time in a way. Well, I just think that for me, because, and I have to tell my, my millionaire children that, is the fact that they all got to understand. My daughter asked me a really deep question. She said, I don't get it, Mom. Why did you want to go to college when at that time they weren't really giving women full-ride scholarships. I was the first one from AIW to NC2A. I said, because your grandmother spoke it into my life. She said, you keep playing this basketball, you keep getting good grades, and one day they're going to give women full-ride scholarships. And so I tell tell both of them that, you know, your grandmother laid a bridge. And, and no matter how many millions they make, I always make sure they understand that their grandmama was poor. <laughs> you know, we came from Flint, Michigan, and we always we thank the creator for all his blessings, but we also – Make sure we maintain our humility. I love that. I love that. I love that. All right. So I'm, I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to give away too much of the documentary, but I, cause I personally can't wait, but I will say this Pamela from my perspective as a little girl growing up on the WNBA, that was all about the Houston comments and that dynasty at the time, but literally had WNBA trading cards, like with pictures of all of you guys in game action. I do remember and correct me if I'm wrong, thinking, wow, I wish I had had an opportunity to see Cheryl Miller play. Because if I remember, she didn't play in the W. I just remember her as a coach in the WNBA. That's true. Well, you know, and she she had a torn ACL, which back then was a life-ending career change. I mean, it was a life-ending basketball change. And she just went into broadcasting. and She never, you know, really got to explore her professional side as an athlete because of the injury that she does. And also Rhonda Wyndham. Rhonda Wyndham had a, a, a career-ending injury as well. So we really had five All-Americans, five, you know, it would have been five jerseys hanging up in there because Rhonda Wyndham, who's our point guard, she was uh, one of the top players in New York. And we all came up playing with guys. We never really played with girls because we were so talented and we always wanted to keep getting better. I love that. I love that. All right. So what is, 
with uh, again, and then we're gonna move on from this documentary because I just want to pick your brain on so many different things. What is the one thing you hope folks watching it, men, women, young athletes, retired athletes, people that love the game of basketball, what's something that you hope they walk away appreciating from women of Troy? Well, and, and this is one of the things too, you know, when I look back, the women of Troy or the USC experience, I, I mean, I cannot. You know, I see why people try to pay for their kids to get in that university. Oh, we had this scandal, but it is a top university. You know, when I look back, a little girl coming from Flint, Michigan, 3,000 miles away from my mom and my family, we had a, a athletic director, a white athletic director, Barbara Hedges, who ended up being the first athletic director over men and women's sports at the University of Washington. So I look back over my life, and I had some, like, role models. Barbara Hedges taught us how to dress. She taught us how to raise money. She taught us how to uh, to come from the hood and learn how to, you know, expose us to very, very, very rich people that we thought we were, we didn't know we were poor until we got to USC. <laughs> and, you know, and then everybody were driving their Beamers and we were like, oh, okay, okay. But what I like about it is we were a multicultural team. We were pretty, we one of the first predominantly African-American teams and other teams had to get african-american players because they couldn't compete anymore so the documentary talks about that how how you know usc was the first team that really put women on on the map as far as media as far as television and it's also good for me that my children got to see that i had a life bc before children because I was, my children it's don't true. believe that you had. They just see you as mom. They don't understand that you had a life before them. They literally only see you as mom. And so this was touching to me. If you look at the red carpet, I had my twin sister and my my two beautiful children there together. We never ever are, are at a point where we all are there at the same time because of their conflicting schedules. I love that. And I did see the pictures. I was like, oh, wow, they're so amazing. You guys are so stunning. Um, I just, I cannot wait to see this documentary. It's going to be fantastic. But, you know, it's interesting, Pam. This week, we're recording this podcast on, on Monday. The documentary is slated to come out on Tuesday. But Sunday was International Women's Day. And it's, I think what you said is so perfect in light of that day. And we saw across the sports world, different organizations taking a moment to acknowledge the women that are doing spectacular things for them. Um, you have so many titles now with ER Ministries, as an emancipator, a mom, a Hall of Famer. How much do you think your experience as an athlete has propelled you or sustained you or allowed you to achieve success in other areas of your life? Well, I think also ER Ministries is Emancipation Repurposed Ministries. I started the ministry because Although you see my life now, I have gone through quite a bit of trauma in my life. And people are like, well, how do you keep making it? How do you do it? And so I designed a ministry with a 12-step program to actually help women become gatekeepers of their homes. Because especially for African-American women, the images we see now with love and hip-hop and all of that, we see, we're see we now seeing more black women entering into the penitentiary system because of the images that we have on TV. So what I'm I'm so excited about with International Women's Month is that women can see the, the path that we paid and all of these women came together and we support each other. We got like six or seven PhDs on that team. So it's not only where we, we set the standard on the, on the court, but we also set the standard off the court and 
And uh, you know, we look at Leanne who who didn't play a lot, but she she has she owns two dental offices. We look at Marissa who who was like you know one of the backup players, but she is now you know the first captain with the she's one of the top pilots ever in the history. So, and then we look at Jamea Bond. Jamea Bond is like one of the top administrators with the Compton School School District. So we just set a standard and. We weren't ashamed to be successful. We weren't ashamed to be winners. And we didn't apologize for being good. And um, I think that sometimes women, what I find is, like, we have to apologize for being great. Well, we never we never get upset with male athletes who walk in their dom- dominance. We looked at Kobe, and he said, I got the Mamba mentality. Well, Cheryl Miller and Cynthia Cooper were the beginning of, you know, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant of women's basketball. And so because they came out, that was 30 or 40 years ago. But to see them, they were the ones that were the trailblazers that laid the path and saw, and we saw them on television. That was the first time that women's basketball really got a lot of media attention. And so we were just excited about the whole opportunity. And still, you know, the W is still evolving. We, we, it was about time that we could make some decent money here in the States instead of going all overseas. And then, you know, Cynthia and I also played together in Europe, and we won the Roncati Cup. And in Europe, in Italy, they had us pegged as the top two duo ever in the history of the game, kind of kind of like uh, Keith James and AD with the Lakers. So, you know, there's a lot of history there. I love that. I mean, I, I love that. I actually was just having a conversation with Elena Beard about the W versus the overseas life. But what would you tell young athletes, right? Especially, particularly young women who aspire maybe to play in the WNBA or even to go to college. In some ways, you and your sister and Cheryl and Cynthia obviously have helped to put propel the women's game forward, but there's still a lot of ground to be covered. What would you tell them in terms of their pursuit of greatness? Well, I tell all girl dads, I tell all moms, I tell all grandmothers who are raising their children, put your daughters in sports. I know that in business I am a different animal because if there's money on the table, I don't feel like, oh, that's a man's money. Oh, that's, I'm like, okay, bro, I'm going to get the money just like you are. You know, right. I don't I don't have that. You know, you're a woman. You can't do that. I was one of the, I'm one of the first top uh, construction builders in Virginia because somebody told me, oh, you can't be a builder because you're a woman. And, you know, and I, I learned the game. I learned the hustle. I learned the, the, the work ethic. And I realized that unlike other women, because I didn't grow up with dials, I grew up playing playing ball with the guys. And, you know, I had the only hoop in the neighborhood. And so I had to play because I had the ball. And sometimes people would say, you can't check them, you know, you can't play because you're a female. And me, I always talked a lot of trash, and I shoot the last jumpers. And then at the game, I say, you're right, you can't check a female. Sit down, next. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, you know, I I echo that because I remember coming up playing with the guys. And so now when I'm in the media space, people will text me after the fact or, you know, hit me on social, and they're like, you really held it down amongst those guys. And honestly – as a black woman, it's something that I see, but I don't know that I have ever walked into a space, at least not when I've been well-prepared and been like, oh man, it's all these men here, white men, black men, whatever the case may be, I'm the only woman and seen it as something that would be potentially detrimental. If anything, it's always allowed me to have a spotlight to shine. But but I don't know who your mother is. I think, I know for me, 
you know, um, all that I am, all that my children are, is because I had a strong mother that didn't play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't. She was the gatekeeper. You know, I tell my daughter there are still times that I don't do certain things because I say, "Oh, my mother would kill me." You know, uh, my grandmother. We had, we you know, we had those strong black women that held it down for us, and and we knew that we were not only carrying the load for our family, we were carrying the load for a whole generation coming behind us. So I've always had those, you know, the prayers of the righteous available much than praying grandmothers and praying mothers that just stood in the gap for me. And even in my community, Flint, Michigan, they was kind of protect me and say, like, no, they call me twin, twin. No, you can't be around here. You probably need to get up out of here because I'm about to jump off. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. And so um, with Women's History Month and just finishing up, you know, Black History Month, I just want to teach young girls to not, to have dreams. I think one of the things that bothers me the most is that, you know, at least have a dream to pursue. I think it was um, um, Benjamin Mays that said, it's not a great calamity if you don't have a dream. It's, it's, you know, it's not a shame if you don't have an idea. The calamity or the shame is not having an idea or a goal to reach. So, you know, I, I don't see, see our young women dreaming dreams, you know, and I try to inspire the women that I touch is that no matter what your circumstances look like, we still have to see, reach for the stars and, you know, or reach for the moon and we'll land amongst the stars, those little things that my mom used to put in me. And that, as African-Americans, we always had to be the best. There was no, there was no, you couldn't right. bring seed home in my family. You couldn't bring, you know, you had to dress a certain way. We had to talk a certain way. And that was the standard that my mother set for me. And I'm glad about that because I had a community that embraced me and spoke into my life and, for lack of a better word, gave me my flag. I love that. I love that. Now, obviously, your mom did an incredible job. And then as a mom, you've done an incredible job. We touched briefly on the success of your kids, um, both professional athletes here in the States, Imani in the WNBA and JaVale in the NBA. Um, how much of their success did you speak into them at a young age? Like, how, how, did, how did you do that? Because that's, that's very unique. You're the, I believe you're the only person that has two children in both leagues, right? Well, I, and and still, that's an everyday everyday thing because I'm the mother of millennials who are millionaires. But I'm the only one that keeps it real with them all. Come on over, you know. You, you're getting too much. Don't believe the press clippings because I'm mom, you know, and I still have to maintain mom. And then I also have to make sure that, that you know, when they got all these yes people around them, they still need somebody to say, nah, this ain't going to work. This ain't what we do. And they need somebody to tell them no sometimes. And I'm that type of mom that I maintain who I am. I maintain who we are as a family. And, I, and I've and i always taught my children, and I'm not ashamed of this. I, I just think mothers who give life to children because, you know, you can't have an abortion. I had one schedule. That's just the truth. But I chose to bring my, my son to life because I didn't want to abort my blessing. And then 30 years later, look what I have. All, all praises be to Jesus. But my thing is, I just think that as mothers, sometimes you got to go to the, and pray for your children and cover them. And that always tell them who they are. I've always taught my children, we are the top of the food chain. You know, don't ever shrink to fit. We are the top of the food chain. Walk in your anointing and walk what God has given you. And that we'll never apologize for greatness. And some people feel like they have to apologize for that. Well, I, I feel that that's what I've taught my children, how to be resilient. When the world counts you out, you're just going to keep keep coming back and keep standing strong. And I hope that, that people see that through, especially my son, JaVale, on, on his career and how he just keeps, you know, going after championships 
and doing his thing. I'm extremely proud of both of them. And more importantly, I mean, not that they were great basketball players, they're good people. You know, it's, it's you know, even I don't care how much money you got, but my children are good philanthropists and they are just good people. So I take pride in that. And if I'm proud of anything, they ask me, well, you're the Hall of Famer. You, you know, you got Olympic gold medals. And they say, well, what's the best, most successful thing you did in your life? I say, giving birth to JaVale McGee and Imani McGee Stafford. That's the best thing I've ever done because they created an immortality for my, my mother who spoke into our lives and prayed for her two children, a teenage mom that had a vision that her daughters could go to a prestigious university, one of the top universities in the world, and make a difference and make a statement and set a standard. So that's what I'm extremely proud of. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, I know Imani in particular has been open about some of her um, battles with mental health and, and being well. I think what I've seen of her, she's been so talented and so forthright with it that it is truly empowering. Um, but I don't know, in the process of teaching your kids to be so strong and all that, there's a flip side of that in terms of the vulnerability that she shared that's been very powerful. Was that something that you guys discussed before she decided to go public with it? Well, you know, I'm one of those people, live your truth. We all have skeletons in the closet, but once you live your truth, I, I do a lot of work with, with my ministry with people from um, mental health as well as uh, drug and alcohol addiction. And I, I, I worked for 20 years helping women getting their children back after they had been um, had open CPS cases with the, the county. And so one of the things that I tell women is when you knew better, you did better. But we can no longer hide because I believe that all things work to good for those who love the Lord and call it to his purpose. So when Imani wanted to tell her story, I accepted that's her story. And because that's her story, her journey, she's going to bless others so that they don't have to go through the same pain or fall in the, the same ditches that she fell in and that she is the, the sunshine after the rain. You know, she's the light after the dark tunnel. And she just proves that if you just stay strong and you keep your head up and that you're resilient, that God always answers those that pray. And I just believe that and I hope that, you know, because that's her truth and she's a beautiful woman and her whole aspiration is to inspire others that they don't, they understand it and they don't have to be victims of it. And that she's a survivor because when she talks about her mental health, that's the same person that got a 160 on her, her LSAT scores, got a 32 on the ACT, and graduated in four years from the University of Texas with a degree from the top five accounting school in the world. So when we look at mental health, we also got to look at the positives. That girl is a genius. So mm -hmm. and that same brain is the same brain that, that, that tries to take our life. So I just want to understand that the mental health, mental illness is not just one side. Those people are usually very bright, very talented, and there is a theory that many people suffer from mental illness because of the fact that the world doesn't see the gifts that God has given them, and they have a problem with identifying with just commoners. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's, girl, that's deep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's quite the perspective. <laughs> you're right. Like, even when we think of our favorite, and I hate to simplify it down to this, but when we think of some of artists that we love, right? My mom uses the phrase um, tortured soul and we see folks kind of getting up out of here prematurely, but it's, she's made the sim a similar statement that it's because their brains are so artistic and so creative that they can't bear to be bottled up and uh, put into a box by society. So that's, you know, that's really, that is very, very powerful. We, we often talk about the but, downside. But, but, but also there's a book, I can't think of the name, but they look at, they look at Rockefeller, they look at Carnegie, mm -hmm. they look at, you know, they were all labeled sociopaths because 
you know, you look at Columbus, he said that the world was flat, and he said, no, the world is round. So, you know, even from a biblical standpoint, you look at Noah, they said, he said it's going to rain, and it hadn't rained for 40 days, 40 nights. So there is this particularity of craziness that people say with people who suffer from mental illness. And I just say, sometimes you just got to embrace what people call crazy. And I say that's being courageous, righteous, anointed, zealous for God. And why? Why not me? Why not you? If not you, then who? You know, mm. so I love we sometimes got to, yeah, yeah, we got to embrace crazy sometimes. I love it. I love it. Now, we got to get you out of here because I know you are a very busy woman with a tight schedule. But really quickly, you made a statement earlier about um, Coop, and I don't, I can't remember who exactly you said, but you mentioned some of the women of Troy and the pioneers of WNBA. You compared them to, yeah, it was Coop and Swoops. You compared to Michael and Kobe, and now Actually, I got to Cheryl, 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 and Cynthia Cooper. They're they're Michael. Cheryl was Michael Jordan, and Cynthia Cooper was Kobe Bryant. Okay, there you go. So now I got to bring it full circle. You have a son who's an NBA champion playing. Or what people are saying now, probably one of the best duos in the league with LeBron and AD. What that? What has that part been like? And what are what are you seeing from the perspective of having a son on that team and all the glitz and glam that happens in LA? But you are very familiar with that coming from USC. All I'm telling you is, I was there doing Showtime in the '80s. I was at USC, so I went to a lot of games. And I'm telling people, I'm down with King James. I'm a witness. When King James say he's gonna do something, everybody better listen, sit back and watch. Okay. Because he don't he don't just talk about it. He he he's about it. And so I'm you know, and it just the, the things that he did with the NC two A and Governor Gabs allowing us to get paid in college. So I don't care what anybody say about LeBron James, I am a witness. LeBron James is the man. And I'm a, I'm a LeBron James witness now because of the things that he's doing off the court as well as the things that he's doing on the court. So I would never hate on him. He is the top of the food chain. All right. Well, well said. All right, Pamela, we're going to let you go on this last note. This is how we end the podcast. The show is called Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, obviously. So I'm going to open up the forum. We can talk NBA, WNBA, Women of Troy, wherever you want to go with this. But I just need you to give me one. The bucket is the A++ thing. You want more of this. Give you all of this. The board is the something that maybe isn't so great, but it has a redeeming quality or a silver lining, kind of like a rebound. And then the block is the thing that you don't want to see any more of. The bucket, I want more teams to, to pay players and people come and support the W. Buy okay. tickets for the WNBA. I need more people to fill out them stands. Two, um, I'm glad that, you know, the women are getting paid, but we need more recognition from the W and that it is a legitimate, viable league. Okay, and then what is it, the block? Oh, yeah, the block. Get this out of here. The block is um, we still got a lot of work to do. I'm, I'm at, at present trying to work with the Retired Players Association to acknowledge that women are here to stay and we're not going anywhere. And that I, I I demand the same thing that the men go, that I'm a peer. I am not below you. I am a peer. We're on the same page as a retired players association. I don't care what. The women are, are the same level as the men. And so that's what we need more more work with. 
Fantastic. I love all three of those. Pamela McGee, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on all your success. We wish you continued success. I cannot wait to watch the documentary. And I just want to thank you for doing what you're doing. And you know, I, I already know that you had a praying mother. And you tell your mother that she did a good job and say, thank you, mom. She absolutely did, Pamela. I will let her know. Thank you so much. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Once again, we have to thank tremendous gratitude to USC legend Pamela McGee for joining us on the show and dropping some true gems of wisdom. Do not miss the brand new HBO documentary about Pamela and her fellow women of Troy, which is now available on demand and also re-airs on HBO, HBO2, and HBO Latino. Check your listings. Make sure you find that. Thanks to my fantastic producer and loyal sidekick, Bruce Bernstein, for all of his support and friendship and booking guests and all the work he does. Thank you also to our superb editor, Ben Wolfen. Please be sure to check out our Pure Hoops media shows. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and his guest this week is Michael Sweetney, the former Georgetown star who is now the assistant coach of the Yeshiva University men's team, which is competing in the NCAA Division III tournament. Mike also is a DMV dude. He played at Oxon Hill High School. I remember watching him in high school. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams has a new show every Tuesday, and they take their weekly deep dive into college hoops. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin drops every Wednesday. The Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman has a new show every Friday. Thank God it's Friday. And I'm back each Thursday with a fresh episode of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Please be sure to check out all of our shows. Rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends. But most of all, enjoy them. Until next time, my good people, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 